Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev and I'm your host as always. I've got James alongside me. Unfortunately, Tony can't be with us this month because he's suffering, suffering with a kidney stone. So we'll let him off on that one because that's the ultimate pain. But James, how are you? I'm good, mate. You? Yep, very good, thanks. Uh, we've also got a couple of special guests with us uh, this month. We have got Luton Town ladies strikers Dion Manning and Bex Wilson-Kane uh, along with us. Dion, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Hello. Bex, thanks for giving up your time for us. More than welcome. <laughs> Excellent. We're going to get... Uh, Stuck into the women's game in general in a minute because it's on a high in uh, in this country. Uh, but before we do, uh, just a thank you to everyone that got in contact with us after the uh, last podcast with Graham Jones. There's a lot of positive feedback on that, which we took on board and uh, welcome. And again, we reiterate that we thank Graham for his time and for being such a good sport with us. Uh, and we're glad that everyone enjoyed that. Okay, all the women's game. Obviously, uh, we're what three months, two months after the Women's World Cup. Dion, do you did you take inspiration from that tournament? How did you think that tournament uh, reflected uh, across football as a whole? And do you think the women's game is growing because as a result of that? Um, yeah, definitely. I was surprised by um, the quality of the the women's players. Um, I've watched some women's football before, and to be honest wasn't very impressed um but this world cup really took me by surprise i didn't make a point of watching it but then when i watched the game then i was following it because i was really impressed with um with how good they were to be honest and bex england had a good tournament in that they made it to the through to the semi-finals and the women's super league began just the weekend just gone and had bumper crowds so do you do you think like women's football is kind of getting more and more in people's mindset and the profile of it and things yeah definitely i think Echoing on from what Dee said, um, I've not really followed women's football too much because the quality has always never really been to the highest standard, like as if you was watching men's football, and it probably never will. But um, off the back of the the World Cup, I just think that it's really rapidly growing as well, going into the Super League. Um, and even like my colleagues and things like that, they're always asking me, oh, um, you know, how's the football going? Like we've gone and watched the games and things like that where we never had that before. So you can tell that it's really growing. And your own crowds, Dion, are they sort of gradually going up as a result of uh, that successful tournament? Um, yeah, this season we're starting to get a few people as the games go on. Um, we've, we're in good form at the moment. So I think that's um, getting people interested as well. But I think as well, because of the World Cup, um, and obviously the Super League um, being a lot bigger now, you've got younger girls that play for teams and then I think they're getting onto their parents to say, oh, I want to go and watch and then they're bringing them down. So obviously, yeah, it is. we are getting some more people at our games, which is obviously good. Bex, I'm kind of getting the vibe just from listening to you just then that it's the men's game that kind of inspired you to get into football. But do you think that young girls now will look at the women's game as inspiration as much as the men's game? Yeah, definitely. I think... That is where it's heading. Um, I think that there's still a lot of work to to do in terms of the women's game, in terms of getting it out there and more exposure. And but that's where it's going to. So for us, like you know, it's not just about the football inside of it. It's about being inspirational to to these players and conducting yourself in a pro- professional manner as well. It's not just about the football inside of it. So I think that it's, it's positive to come because there's not many, even if you look outside of football, there's not many like role models in terms of females. So now that we're in football, I think 
our generation now want to be role models for women's football and girls coming through. And Dion, has the game, the women's game, changed? Obviously, I, th- I guess the standard, as you alluded to earlier, has got better and better. But has the style changed? I, I say this because I came to uh, an F- your FA Cup game a couple of weeks ago, which we'll touch on in a minute, and I didn't really know what to expect. But the style of football that you girls played was really pleasing. It kind of mirrored the first team, the men's first team, and I, I wasn't really expecting that. So is that a change that's kind of evolved? Yeah, I think... Um... <clears throat> The women do actually play some some good football. They want to get the ball down. They want to pass it around. Um, we've played teams that are in higher leagues than us, and even seeing at the World Cup, the way you can see patterns of play, whereas before you wouldn't see that. It would just be the ball in defence and then just hitting it, and you know what I mean, running onto it. But now they're actually moving the ball as well as the men do in their team. So yeah, it is it is changing. And the Lionesses, the England women's team. They play all their games on domestic television that, you know, all girls can kind of see. Whereas the men's team, a lot of the time, not so much the Euro qualifiers, but the other games are all on Sky where people have to subscribe. Is it a big thing that it's on terrestrial TV, like the whole of that World Cup was on? And I think the Euros that are in England in two years' time will be too, where girls can actually see on the on the TV themselves that the women are good at football. Yeah, I think that's, that's key because it's easily accessible. So... I think when it's in terms of like men's football, because that is the hype, people are more likely to subscribe to that. So it's just a given. Whereas now it's just for everybody. And I think that's, yeah, that's a turning point. I think the women's game pulled off a coup with it, actually, because if you look at the men's cricket World Cup, it was all on Sky and it was in England and people didn't care really about it. Unless you're a really hardcore cricket fan, but the women's World Cup captured the eyes of the nation and it was on you know front and back pages so um what they've done there is advance the the game for for many people that wouldn't have seen it before I think mm. and the thing that I noticed in that um tournament the England team in particular was pretty much where my focus was a lot of them actually play abroad mm. it's not just in this country so the women's game over the whole of Europe and, and, and I guess in America where it's really big, uh, you know, it's a big thing. It's not just confined to England. No, um, a lot of uh, girls within football, they go and do like a scholarship thing over in America. Um, that's where a lot of players go. But as you get up into the Super Leagues, you've got people from all sorts of international teams playing. Mm. Um, but... Again, like where you just touched on the exposure on the TV, being on terrestrial TV and stuff, the Super League have done a massive thing this season um, where you can actually watch all the Super League games um, through an app, um, which you can use put on your tablet or on your laptop and stuff like that. So you can catch all of the games, uh, which is something that you've never been able to do. So, you know, you've got... I, I coach at a kids' club and I know that there are some boys that... And girls that just watch football all the time. Um, so it's good that they can watch not only the men's stuff, they can watch women's stuff. And obviously, with no football being on, with the international break at the weekend, there were still women's games going on. So we could still watch some football, which was really good. And they broke a couple of records as well. That Manchester derby, yep. 31,000 people watched yep. that game. And it was won by an absolute screamer. See that? Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. see that goal. Yeah, 25, yeah on, on social media, um, pretty much straight away that was, wasn't it? I guess, like you say, as a result of the fact that it's all uh, available on apps. Um, mm. Betsy, the other thing that I've noticed as well is that there's a lot more women's games taking place in. I don't want to use the term men's stadiums, but you know, men's club stadiums, and that can only be a good thing as well. Yeah, definitely, because obviously the 
the exposure for the the grounds and everything is always everybody knows these grounds, but maybe can't always get there. So the fact that they're now able to go and watch women's football there as well is going to give a bit more of a buzz, a bit more of an um, atmosphere as well. So. And Dion, you mentioned that you coach um, youngsters. What would you say to like uh, any young girls listening to this, or parents who've got young girls who want to get into football, but you know maybe don't know how to get into football or need that kind of encouragement to get into football? Now it's it, you know it's it's no longer that male exclusive thing, is it? No. Um, what I found with young girls is that they if they want to play football they'll probably start at school then they play in like a mixed team but then they get to an age where they don't want to play with boys for whatever reason um and there haven't been that many just girls only teams and clubs out there but there are clubs now that um where they're just just for girls uh, so you can go into a girls team um so yeah just i think it used to be a case of because parents didn't really know how to get their daughter into it um they kind of just you know left it but keep pushing um go to the beds fa there's a link on the beds fa website where you can find where you select find a club and it comes up with a whole load of clubs and just ring around really um but yeah you've you've got to pursue it absolutely Uh, it's good to see the women's game evolving in this country and uh, like I say with the Euros over here in the, in two years time I'm sure that's only going to continue to grow with uh, the exclusivity and the availability of it uh, to everyone that watches it let's bring it on to uh, your team Luton Town Ladies FC um, last season Dion didn't go to plan it's fair, it's fair to say isn't it it's fair to say um, yeah. just tell us a little bit about last season the struggles that, that went play, uh, that took place and uh, the unfortunate relegation at the end of it um, yeah it was a tough season last season um, we were relegated out of a league that um, the ladies had been in for quite some time before I was playing with Luton ladies um, so it was obviously hard um, to be relegated still quite emotional as you can tell Um <laughs> But yeah, it was just everything that could go against us just went against us. Um, we had we were hit by a few injuries and we had to bring um, younger players through and put them straight into the first team, which wasn't ideal because they didn't have experience. And, you know, we missed a lot of players um, for all sorts of reasons. People playing out of position. Um, another player played most of the season carrying an injury to an ankle so yeah it was just it wasn't wasn't a great season but with that relegation Bex brings this season about where I'm guessing promotion is the the first aim and you've started this season really well three wins top of the league through to the next round of the FA Cup as well just talk to us about the start of the season and the expectations for it I think the start of the season has been really positive. I've been at the club since I was 12, so I'm now 30. So I've been there for a long time, on and off over the last few years. But the team that we've got this season is probably the most exciting team that I've been a part of. We're Thank all... you. <laughs> Beyond, please, stop. No, I'm carrying you, but it's okay. She's got her fingers crossed over her. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, going into this um, season, I think me personally, and I think most of the team, promotion is the is the expectation um as we were talking about earlier um a game that we've won this this last week um maybe could have gone the other way last season so i think we've got like um if you see one of the interviews that Jess did we've got that bounce back um ability so i think 
the mindset is a lot stronger this year and every everybody's pulling together and we've made a decision that we want to go as far as we can in every competition and in the league and that determination james obviously comes through by the, just looking at that um, weekend result that Bex just mentioned where they beat local rivals Bedford 2-1 with a very very late winner the second late winner this season I believe so mm. that's a good thing yeah Dion scored the other one didn't you um, <laughs> was that the first game of the season thanks James <laughs> yeah it was the first game yeah um, yeah I mean he charges you for that late <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be I mean you say it's the sign of title winning teams if they can pull something out of the bag in the last minute and scrape wins when it should have been a draw or scrape draws and it should have been a defeat so um, it bodes well and it's nice to see them sitting at the top of the tree as well mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> and uh, Dion the fact that the men's team have got promoted for the last two years does that give you girls more inspiration to like emulate them and go on and get your own promotion this season yeah 100% um, we want to be winning things just like the men the men are doing really well and we want we want the same um, me personally any club I've been at is promotion so the relegation was the first time for me personally where I've ever been relegated so it was tough but yeah looking forwards now um we want to do as well as we can we've got a good squad still got young players in but I think although we did get relegated sometimes it's for the best because obviously you can then develop those young players and then next season we go back into the league that we were in before but we're stronger Mm. and we're fitter and we've got that confidence which is really important to have yeah you often see in the men's game don't you the team gets relegated kind of reassesses where it's at Mm. comes back a lot stronger Mm. and I'm sure that's what uh, you girls are going to do am I right in saying that the relegation means that you're now in a regional league whereas you were in a national league prior to that that's correct so that's kind of like a big thing then Bex to get back into that national level yeah of course that's all we want I think Excellent. Well, we wish you all the very best uh, doing that. And as I say, having been down and watching you girls, I've no doubt that uh, you can do that. Just talk us through your upcoming games, Dion. You're in Norfolk this weekend, I believe. Yeah, we've got an away game um, in Norfolk on Sunday. Um, So, yeah, the away games are always tough, especially when you've got to travel so far. Um, But hopefully, you know, they're sitting just around mid-table and obviously it is early on in the season, so you don't really know who's going to be up there and who's not. Um, But, yeah, they seem to be scoring goals and stuff like that and they beat Haringey 12-0 at the weekend. So, obviously, they can score some goals. So, it'll be tough, but we're ready for the challenge. Um, Yeah, so then after that... We're FA Cup at home I FA Cup at home correct thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to remind me who you got drawn against in that game because although I saw Bone Gay, Bone Gay. Yeah. I've, I'd forgotten that the main thing is it's a home game and it's, it's the day game. after Luton play Hull in the um, in the men's uh, league so anyone who does want to go and watch £2 to get in £2 to get in yes please come down please support us and you girls play at the brace don't you at the training ground uh, yeah, on the 3G do. pitch so it's yeah. a good excuse to get down and uh, have a look at some of the facilities that the men's team use as well as well as seeing a decent game of football which I'm I'm sure you girls will provide £1 it's, for kids as well so £1 for kids yeah Absolutely, Sunday afternoon. Absolutely, two o'clock kickoff. Two o'clock kickoff. It will be two yeah. o'clock kickoff. So that's the twenty second of September, September. If you can make that one. Now then, Dion, we've got you in here to discuss the women's football, but we've also got you in to discuss finances because there's an awful lot of costs involved for you girls to um, 
go through the season and as a result of that you started a fundraising campaign just tell us a bit about that yeah so um i don't think people are aware but um with the ladies teams most of them you have to pay subs uh for the season so each player has to pay a certain amount um to contribute towards the running of the club for for the season because we are self-funded um how much are we talking there so we're talking 200 pounds per player um training facilities alone last season cost us five thousand pounds so you can see where that money's going and uh, you've got to pay for things like ref provi- refs provide foods for um away teams when they come to your home ground um there's all, all kinds of costs you've got your travel and stuff like that um so other clubs do do it they um ask for sponsorship um our men's team they have a home and away sponsor um so i just put out on twitter just asking if anybody could either donate some money or sponsor a player for the season um and we've had some positive um feedback so far i think we've managed to get eight players um sponsored um and i've set up a just giving page at the moment we're sitting on two thousand pounds out of our five thousand pound target um just trying to raise money hopefully we can get a minibus sorted so we can get to away games we can travel as a team um and we don't you know we get there and we're ready to go rather than having sat in the car driving for one two hours so which is the kind of thing that as football fans you kind of think would be automatic anyway it's um yeah you know it isn't the f- making it aware to everyone that that's not actually the case mm. um should really you know give people the ammunition to kind of help out if they can sort of thing the just giving page give it a plug yep so uh justgiving.com if you go on to justgiving.com and then type in deal manning um it will come up with the ladies um fundraising page straight away um we've like i say we've got two thousand it's two thousand eighty pounds raised so far from 70 supporters i think but it has had two thousand views so if everyone that visits the page even donates a pound then we hit the five thousand target straight away so don't think of i've only you know i can't really donate anything anything really would help no matter how small so yeah absolutely uh small large any uh any kind of help that we can give these girls would be much appreciated so the overall aim then dion is to get a minibus but also to fund uh much of this season to come so that you girls haven't got to lose it out of your own pockets because i'm guessing that you you've not all got full-time jobs some of you are young enough that you're still at college and university and things like that so yeah nobody around this table but um yeah <laughs> we've got we've got we've got kids and uh, players that are in college um, we've got players that are um, single parents we've got players that travel down from london and bedford and other areas we've got firefighters we've got um people from the police that you know they'll do their shift and they'll come to straight and training straight from their shift and stuff so yeah everyone is committed um but you know it's not easy to add those extra costs in as well throughout the season so yeah not everyone not everyone's working um people are self-employed and stuff like that so it's all sorts of different backgrounds yeah so any help that uh, the ladies can get would be much appreciated uh, Dion you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you've got eight first team players sponsored mm-hmm. two of those players are sponsored by ourselves at the Luton Town Supporters Trust uh, we have sponsored Leah Maddox and Kiki Christoffi just tell us about those two girls in particular just for the, the listeners that know where their membership money has gone this year yep so um, Kiki used to play 
um, in London. That's where she lives. Um, I think it was Enfield, but don't quote me. Um, but yeah, so I'd she's... not see one of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to research that. Um, but yeah, she, she was talking about it at the, at the weekend actually, but I've gone. Um, but yeah, so she travels down from London um, to train with us, and then obviously for the game. So obviously she's got then her travel which is all, you know, off her own back. I think she's studying as well at the same time. So, you know, it's she, someone like her definitely needs a, a little bit of help with the sponsorship. And then we've got Leah, who coaches uh, grassroots football. Um, so she runs a girls team um, for a local club called Luton All-Stars. Um, so, yeah, and that's voluntary. So she gives up her time to coach these kids so that they can play football. So for me personally, I think someone who's willing to do that, you know, deserves to be able to get some sponsorship, at least get something back for putting her time in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these are um, inspirational girls and it's, it's we're, we're, we're delighted to um, be sponsoring them and looking forward to uh, getting down as much as we can over the course of the season and watching not just them two, but all of you girls, no doubt smash it on your way to promotion. Just uh, one last thing on the two girls, Dion. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we came down and announced our sponsorship at the FA Cup game at the start of this month, Leah played left wing back, straight left midfield. Kiki came on as a substitute in the number 10 role. Is that their positions? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Leah's played as a left wing back and as a right wing back. Um, obviously, depending on formation, she'll be there or thereabouts and maybe into the back four if we do go to four at the back. And Kiki, she's actually played left wing back as well. Um, that particular game, she did play as a 10 um, and had a little cameo in there. But yeah, that they're all thereabouts. Don't want to give too much away. Just in case the Norfolk team are listening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Bex, let's finish off this section uh, with a little chat about the rest of the teammates that we're not sponsoring. Uh, you've obviously got some great girls in the team. What's the camaraderie like in the dressing room? Who's the kind of great performance? You, you know, the, the, the standout players in the dressing room that if people do come down to that FA Cup game in a couple of weeks' time, you know, give them a flavour of the kind of people that they'll be watching. Boy, looking straight mm-hmm. at me. Well, <laughs> I mean, start, start, with, start with your captain first and foremost. Let's yeah, go with so that. Rachel Carr, um, she's a phenomenal player, um, a great leader, um, defender. She is a defender, yeah, um, but she can play midfield as well, which she's done amazing when she's gone into that role. Um, but yeah, she's she's wicked. Um, Big presence on the pitch. Yeah, massive. I think. Keeping her and her staying in the team this year um, was it's a massive win for us. Um, I think that she really has that drive to keep us together. She's very positive. She, that's all she wants is positivity on the pitch. Um, no, you know, getting at each other and things like that. So yeah, she's a massive um, person in the dressing room as well. And anyone who read James's match report uh, for the win at the weekend will have seen that Jess scored a couple of goals. Mm-hmm. Talk us through. Talk us about Jess. Jess is ex Arsenal. <laughs> is she? Yeah, uh, I'm in her younger days. Jess is a phenomenal player. She is wicked. Like she's probably one of my favourite players. I'll be honest, and I shouldn't have a favourite player. <laughs> Sorry, indeed. Sorry, indeed. Well, no, she really is because I think that she can, as you would have from Sunday, she can really pull a game back for us mm-hmm. and we can really kind of rely on her sometimes and she, she's a, one of our danger players um, she's rapid isn't she and she's she, yeah she, she's, she's she's very good um, midfielder isn't she yeah she's yeah. a midfielder 
but when she pushes up top as well it's it's, it's crazy um, <laughs> it has me and the like shaking on our boots like ah. we, we should kind of mention that we've got the strike partnership alongside us we here want to and... be a strike partnership yeah um and i think we can be a dangerous partnership as well um both quite pretty quick I say I was quicker. <laughs> we'll test that out after the uh, after the podcast. Uh, the just one, uh, you the other striker that's in the side who started alongside you in that FA Cup game. Yeah. Um, so Fumi, she's uh, one of the younger players, so obviously still learning, but she's got raw talent. Um, in the I think it was the FA Cup game, she um, scored. A goal from outside the box just popped it top corner um, where she hadn't been getting much success f- throughout the game and then she just comes up with that so like I say mm-hmm. she is raw she's still learning but again she's quick you know we're we're pretty blessed with our team because we're all quite pacey um, present company included um, so <laughs> so yeah we've we've got that um, but yeah she, she it's good to play with Fumi because you know she works hard her work mm-hmm. rate's really good and stuff like that so yeah we we're, we've got quite a strong team, quite a strong team, confident. Just on that, <coughs> excuse me, just on that pace, Bex, how good is it that you play on the 3G pitch down at the bridge? I'm guessing in the winter when away pitches are a bit boggy and yucky and horrible, the ball gets a bit stuck and yeah, things, yeah. You, that doesn't play to your strengths, but the 3G should always be good all, all season round. Yeah, so obviously... Is it 3G or 4G? 3G, 4G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I still have my phone yeah, on 2G. No. I'm, not, <laughs> no, I'm so far down. So, so yeah, sound. obviously, um, that's that's um, big for us. Um, and like you say, it's, it's an advantage to be able to play on all weathers and stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Wicked. Well, we're so lucky to have you uh, on this episode of the podcast. And like I say, we're delighted to be involved uh, sponsoring the two girls. And we'll make sure that all of uh, well, them two and all of you get as much uh, publicity as you deserve throughout the course of this season which I've no doubt will be a successful season I'm going to squeeze in a plug as well if you don't mind Ken. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to plug you beat me to it <laughs> plug away <laughs> so my uh, website the, the Lutonian www.lutonian.com um, is featuring a player each week from the ladies team uh, Dion was first and uh, she scored five goals already, so obviously there's some correlation there. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. You do another one, I think. I've run out of steam. It don't, it don't work for the men's team, <laughs> so uh, you, you must have a lucky touch with you girls. No, it's, it's the reverse for the men's team. Usually. But uh, yeah, each week um, there's going to be a feature with um, one of the ladies' players and match reports and various bits and bobs and news and pieces. So go on there. Plug Yep. Yeah, so uh, with regards to the Just Giving page, you can also follow me on Twitter at Man and Dion, um, and you can keep up with how the Luton ladies are getting on. Follow the Luton ladies team as well um, on there. But yeah, just just try and help us out as much as you can, even if it's just coming down and supporting us at games and stuff like that. Um, because you know it is nice to have to play in front of a crowd. Going back to playing at Kenilworth Road, um, I know the girls see that as a massive, massive, massive game. So just the atmosphere coming out onto that pitch, being in the changing rooms and stuff like that, it all helps and pushes us through. And to be honest, we've had our best games at Kenilworth Road. Um, and I think that is to do with the atmosphere. So if we can get you guys down to the brace to support um, and then Kenilworth Road when we're there, we'll, I'm pretty sure we'll get promoted this season. Absolutely. Uh, also keep an eye on our social media feeds as well because we're also going to be... Yeah, 
plugging you girls uh, right away through the course of the season. We'll definitely let everyone know which game it is that you're down at Kenilworth Road and make sure we get as many people in the main stand as possible that uh, that day. Um, one other thing that we'll mention just in this section is, as well as kind of helping out with your fundraising and things like that, if there is anyone out there who wants to sponsor a match or things like that, there's that opportunity as well, isn't there? Get in touch with yourself and you'll put them in with the right people. Yeah, yeah, we've, we pay for our officials on the match day, so if anyone wants to sponsor a home match, um, then you can. There's all sorts of, um, sponsorship deals and stuff that can be worked out between um the club so yeah just contact me and then i'll put you in touch with the right people or speak to them on your behalf and we can work something out in that way and they'll be plugged on match day they'll and be plugged on match day and... i'll plug them you'll plug them <laughs> yeah. bex will plug them we'll yeah. all plug them <laughs> so, so many plugs it's like a diy shop <laughs> we'll electrocute ourselves with the plugs. <laughs> absolutely well best of luck for the season girls um, thank you i'm sure you're not going to need it but best of luck anyway um but stick with us because we're going to talk men's football now. And actually, James, we're going to talk something that we should have covered probably in the last podcast, but it was still an ever-increasing story. But unfortunately, it went the wrong direction, and that's the demise of Berry Football Club. Sad. Well, I think everyone in football is sad about it. Um, not least because the people that miss out are the people that are innocent in all of this. But what's your view on that situation? Well, you've got to feel for the fans of any team that that happens to because it's not their fault. They didn't ask for that. They, they weren't involved in that. It was unscrupulous owners, as Luton fans well know. They felt the brunt of that many times. Um, Luton situation got rescued. But, you know, it still is taken until two seasons ago, really, to get the feel-good factor back. So, you know, for the best part of a decade, you know, it was like uh, it was it was pretty dire and people were angry. Um, and that's, Luton only went into the, I say only, it was a big deal. It, they went into the non-league. Whereas Berry technically at the moment don't exist. So what's going to happen to them, you don't know. The the the, the owner has the ground, doesn't he? And he's, it's, everybody knew what he was going to do when he went in there because he's got a history of asset stripping. And I think the ground's worth about 5.5 million and uh, it's got a mortgage on there, a couple more million. He, you know, you know, you know what he's there for. He, the club went to the wall, so he clearly didn't do enough. But um, yeah, it's it's sad for them. Obviously, Luton played Berry last season; they were a very good team, and they went up. It, it's crazy, isn't it, that a team can go up um, like that and then not actually have any games the next season? There was a story of a, a seven-year-old fella who who popped down to the ground every day, go in the club shop and just ask, is the club still around? Because he didn't have social media or anything. And that's the sort of, that's the heartbreaking thing of it. And that it would just be one example of, of it. There'll be young kids, men that have followed it, women that have followed it, girls followed it all throughout their lives. And now they've got no football to go to. So yeah, it, you know, many people have asked or said, why didn't the EFL do more? I think they've done as much as they can do, but it's whether the rules for determining whether our owner is a fit and proper person is whether they can be tightened up because that guy should never have been running a football club. For a start, he went on national radio and said he didn't even know Barry had a football club because he's not into football, and that tells you everything you really need to know. Yeah, he also had his captain 
arguing with him at one stage I remember on TalkSport it was not particularly good it's probably a good thing we've not got Tony with us actually because uh, what he would say about that fit and proper persons act would carry more expletives <laughs> Dion as a football fan it's not good when we're losing football clubs is it? No um, like James was saying you know one day you support a football club and then the next day they're not there anymore like what what do you do? Um so yeah, we don't want to see see that happening. Um, but unfortunately, like I say, it nearly happened to us at Luton. Um, and the way things are going, money wise, it you know people do get into it for the wrong reasons. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and there's got to be. A, I don't. I'm not in a position to sort of say what it is that has to happen you know but something has to happen maybe the the good owners that are in the football league should be looked should be used as kind of examples for um, you know for the future i mean you know obviously we're lucky at Luton town that we've got amazing owners that have got the football club at heart and any decisions that they take will never ever jeopardize the future of the football club and there are one or two others I mean obviously we've had run-ins with Accrington Stanley in seasons past but actually the fella there he's pretty clued on knows what he's talking about and I'm sure there are other examples why aren't these people being used to you know kind of why aren't they being listened to because he's quite vocal in particular on social media isn't he why isn't he why shouldn't he have a say and, and why shouldn't it be listened to really because he's inside he knows what's happening these for all these other kind of corporations they're just on the outside looking in they haven't really got running a football business at heart have they you know they're they're running the, a different thing kind of thing people like him he, he should be listened to a lot more just because he's Accrington's chairman shouldn't matter no well Luton's owners as well they're they're it's a fan run club now but you can you could probably still have that and not have the community heart but the 2020 board have, as we've spoken about many times on this podcast with the stadium plans, not just being a football stadium, it's about a whole development for boosting up the town. So you would, you would hope that, I mean, I think lots of football fans look on in envy at what's happened with Luton really, because it's done the right way. Mm-hmm. And those owners are not there to fleece the club. They've given the trust a, a lot of, um, powers as well, haven't they? So that those things can't happen. I'm sure that will that will continue. And the, the, the things that they do in the community that don't often get shouted about are important as well. Um, they've just been doing everything right for for a number of years now. So you would hope that those people get listened to. There was an interesting um, program notes from Stephen Brown, um, one of the home matches recently, where it was a very lengthy piece about. Um, Berry and the Football League and Bolton and what could be done and he sort of said that the EFL had done as much as they could and they've they tried to help out but what you should really look at is that every club in each division has a say in how that division is run mm. they've got an equal share and so if you do get unscrupulous people or people that don't care about this this phrase the football family and they don't want to make sure everyone's okay then there's not really a lot you can do in the under the current rules because they can just veto things so that's got to change um and i think stephen brown said that the club will back the efl in in whatever means they want to do to try and change that 
still early days. I don't think there's anything that's come out about it or whether they will, but it's good to have that offer there, I suppose. You just mentioned Bolton there, and that's actually a good thing because it's not just Berry, is it? Every time we open a newspaper, it's a different club being talked about. Go back a couple of three years, Cardiff had their issues, Hull is still having their issues when, you know, Leeds, when they brought that horrible badge out, you know, Co- Coventry aren't playing in their own stadium now, Blackpool have only just got rid of it. It's, a, it's almost like half of the football league are suffering this. It's not just, it's not just limited to one club. So it cuts, there's got to be a problem in the, in the system somewhere. Well, there is, and it, it you know, it's, it starts and ends with people that are running the club, I guess. Um, it's all very well having ambition and wanting to try and do the best for your club, but if you try and e- exceed your means, and in fact, the championship right now, Luton are one of only seven clubs that are living within their means in that division. A lot of them are bang in debt, and they're all trying to chase that Premier League spot. Well, Luton have said that they're not going to jeopardise the club because they've experienced the precipice of demise, just how bad it could have been um, and how long it's taken to get back to where Luton feel they belong. It needs more people like that, really. But uh, the amount of money that is in the Premier League, certainly if you're talking in the Championship division, you're always going to get people that want to try and get a piece of that pie. But further down the leagues, they're all trying to get up as far as they can because they know the money is the money's there the further you go up but uh, yeah it's I, I think it's a tricky one because it's almost you have to try and change human nature because it's always going to be greedy people isn't it yeah and I guess the part of the, part of the problem as well is that everyone all out on beating each other rather than looking at a bigger picture aren't they and um, you know they should look at a bigger picture though because 23 clubs have lost one game's revenue this season. Let's say another one goes to the wall as well in the same division. You know, that's two home games that I'm guessing Accrington need the revenue from that, which I'm guessing is why he's so vocal on social media. But even middle middle of the road clubs like Wickham, and Tony's not here, so I can probably call them that. Um, same thing, isn't it? They're all losing out on income, so it can't be good for anyone. So why they get? Why do they allow it to get into this position? I've no idea. No, but it, you know, up until the very last minute, the, I don't think the the owner of Berry was divulging anything about the club or giving. That's why the EFL were clamping down because he wasn't giving them what they needed, even though he was going on radio and saying that he was. It just goes back to that that point that there probably needs to be better rules and tests in place for when people take over clubs. Why don't the FA get a say in all of this? They've been deadly quiet throughout the whole of this process. Yeah, they're the ones who's meant to be governing the football in this country. <laughs> open up a can of worms there, and you? That's my job. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, as Luton fans, we know the FA are not to be trusted anyway, don't we? You know... Um, we got absolutely no help from them whatsoever when we needed it at our most. And it seems like we're not the only club in that situation. They should be taking more responsibility. No can of worms. They should be taking more responsibility. They should do, but they sold Their game at the end of the day. Well, it was. They sold it to the Premier League, didn't they? And now the Premier League and oligarchs do what they want. And the amount of money that's knocking around there, you know, one 
one day's wages for an academy player could probably have saved those clubs, but uh, that's not to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's a sad situation what's happened to Barry. Our uh, thoughts uh, go out to all of their supporters who are innocent in all of this, and hopefully they get their club back, even if it does mean that they have to rebuild right from the very start and they end up back in League One, uh, where they were when it all went pear-shaped. Girls, I'm interested, actually, as we move towards uh, talking about the men's loon team, how much of an interest do you have in in the men's team? Do you go and watch them? Do you get a chance to go and watch them? Are you fans of the club, Bex? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the club, but I don't really get to go and watch them as much as I would like to. Um, but I've grown up in Luton all my life. Uh, I actually grew up on Oak Road. so Was it the football club that got you into football? I'd probably... Um, I mean, yes and no, you know, like obviously no, I'm an Arsenal cool. fan as well, so that's kind of my team. But yeah, I mean, I remember when I was young and obviously I lived in Oak Road. So when the play- players were going on an away game and things like that, they'd be in the coach. I'd be looking out the window and stuff like that. So yeah, for me, um, Luton is a massive part of my heart. D? Yeah, um, I try and get down to as many games as I can. Um and try and take my son and a couple of his mates as well. Um, but yeah, it's a great atmosphere. Again, I've got a few teams that I support. Um, one being Arsenal, but obviously, what is it about Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with them being in London, it's not always can't always get there. And even when you do, you know, it's it's just not the same atmosphere as as being at Kenilworth Road. So I like to take my son down to Kenilworth Road when I can, and he, and he loves it down there. So yeah, try and get down, try and support the boys. And the last game at Kenilworth Road was an absolute cracker. Uh, beat Huddersfield 2-1. Scored, yeah. all, scored all three goals, which was jolly nice of us. <laughs> um, you mentioned the atmosphere there, and actually that, the atmosphere that day was, was fantastic, but great to beat a Premier League team, or Premier League team of last season. Yeah, I mean, if you're coming up into the Championship, and obviously teams have come down from the Premier League, they may have come down, but obviously Huddersfield beat a few good teams whilst they were in the Premier League so to beat a team like that um, is 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 great do you know what I mean it means that you know you can challenge and you can can get up there so hopefully obviously I don't think anyone's really looking at it this year but hopefully that is the end goal to try and get up there and, and you know try and compete at the highest highest level I don't think anyone was looking at it necessarily this time last year either Bex but it, I mean it happened Never but know. <laughs> We've uh, we've actually started the season pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting times um, going forward for Luton. Um, and I think if they can have a good run and stay in the championship, then it's going to be big for them. James, the girl's probably not best to ask about the two away games that we've just seen since we've done the um, last podcast. But you were uh, half-inched your way into both the press boxes, so you probably are as good as any. We were confident going into that Barnsley game, weren't we, that that win was just on the horizon. We'd just spoken to Graham Jones. He was convinced the win wasn't far away. Well, it wasn't. And within four minutes at Barnsley, it was near enough done and dusted. But we went on in that brilliant, brilliant first half on one of the hottest days I've ever sat and watched football in. Uh, the remnants of the sun is still on my body, but um, <laughs> brilliant day. Was a sensational start, wasn't it? Um, and they've they that's what they did at their peak for the last two seasons, just blow teams away and to start with. And then it was a great day up there. Some absolutely fantastic football, uh, some good goals. 
Jacob Butterfield was outstanding. Well, we're getting good goals from unlikely goal scorers this season, aren't we? I mean, mm. no one would have expected Sonny Bradley's goal against Middlesbrough in the manner that he got it. Maybe you'd have expected him to nod in the header or something. Maybe the same with Butterfield as well. He did not doesn't tend to be that far forward apart from set pieces, but he didn't take that set piece and well, it was cleanly hit, wasn't it? Great strike. You probably had a better sight of it than us in the away end because there was a bloody shadow from the stand right over that goal. And once it went into it, you could not see a damn thing. <laughs> it was only when they went into the corner celebrate, oh, it's gone in. <laughs> you couldn't see it. Yeah, no, I, I got a good sight of that. All the goals, really. Um, it, they could have been 5 nil up at half-time. No trouble. The goalie had a bit of a, a worldie with two of them. Um, kept out Collins. Don't know how he kept out Collins. Stuck out a boot somehow, but they were that good. They, they they should have been far more in command at, at the break. But, you know, even though Barnsley came out in the second half and put their pressure on, they targeted Luke Bolton a bit. And a couple of teams have done that because he's, he's new to that fullback position. He's more of an attacker. He played as an attacker for England in the under-20s, didn't he? And set up the goal in the last minute, the winner. Um, and got called up as a forward. <clears throat> so... Um, He's still learning the game. But other than that, really, they saw out maybe a, a ropey 10 minutes and uh, the goal was a bit soft, but they didn't look like crumbling at all. And in many ways, they're actually even better at Cardiff three days later, where the possession statistics were just off the charts. The football was really, really good. There was an I was there moment at the end of it and Alan Sheehan's spectacular free kick as well. Just a, Save for the time that we both got in our houses that following morning, it was just a really good night. Yeah, 4 a.m. for me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit early for 4 me. 4 a.m. and then up at 6 in the morning with a, oh, with a three year old. Did screen. you bring a violin with you? <laughs> <laughs> I left it in the car. We'll dub that in, shall we? Um, yeah, it was a great, it was a absolutely fantastic. Considering the league game and how that went, and when Luton did play well, but they got done in the last minute by Vassell. He didn't have a sniff, really, in, in that game, and neither did Omar Bogle, and both of them looked pretty average, really, and you're thinking, oh, well, it doesn't matter that he didn't get the sell. Uh, the possession stats were... I mean, I don't really care about those, really, but when you look at it, we looked at it at half-time, and it was 78%. If it was just an away game, it would be impressive, but it was an away game against a team that had come down from the Premier League, and they passed them off the park, so... It was a really, and by the end of the game, it was still seventy percent possession. That was after Cardiff had a bit of a go, but didn't really get any make any inroads in the second half. So, um, Alan Sheehan's strike, well, I I just kind of back him to do that if he steps up. Now you just don't see him very often. He barely played last last season. It's almost harder to get George Moncur off the free kick than it was to put it in the top <laughs> yeah, bin, wasn't it? I yeah, mean. but yeah, I had a great sight of that, and then um, Jake Jervis scoring. This team's got a back to it because I'm still on it. Well, he's gone to Salford City now, hasn't he? And we knew afterwards when we spoke to him he was, that he was going to go on loan, but he wasn't giving anything away. He kept his cars close to his chest. But uh, the ball for his goal from Luke Berry <sighs> was sensational. And he was the stand, one of the standout players. And I think I gave him man of the match for that game because he was just... We're used to seeing him in a more advanced role, but he was just sitting there like further back in a sort of quarterback role, if you like, and just passing between Cardiff players that were chasing shadows, really. And that ball was the standout pass from the whole game. And 
Jervis didn't really have to do a lot, but considering he hadn't scored at all. Oh, he took it well, didn't he? He, he took okay. it well. I mean, that that was a year and two weeks after his last game for Luton. So uh, it was a good strike, but he's off to Salford now. And you'd have to say that you might not, see him. Last game, you might yeah. not see him in a Luton shirt again. No, that's right. Girls, one per- uh, person who we are going to see in a Luton shirt again, or at least I hope we're going to see plenty more of him in a Luton shirt, James Collins. And as strikers yourselves, how much do you watch him when uh, when he plays and kind of reflect on how good he is? I mean, I've, I've watched you, D. You work hard just like he does. Is it just... It, is he a player that you look up to? Yeah, um, yeah. Like I'm always watching the strikers um, throughout all the leagues, seeing you know what they can do. Collins, particularly, he's you know he's hot property at the minute. So um, always looking at how he plays and stuff like that. Obviously, um, had a chat with Collins during the kit launch and stuff, and um, you know he he does work hard, and that's. I always think, you know, if if you if you're gonna work hard you're gonna get something. Um so just keep going. That's what he does, that's what I try and do. Beck's not so much, but we're working on that. <laughs> but um yeah, but all the all the Luton Luton strikers I think past and present have a, a a good work rate. Um I was particularly um mates with Jack Marriott, obviously isn't isn't here now, but he you know, he used to work really, really hard. And as a striker, there are times where you're not scoring um, and it is difficult. Um, but as he's shown, you just keep going and you will get rewarded. Yeah, because he had a run last season, Bex, where it, it started a season and just, the goal just wasn't coming. I think he missed a couple of sitters. People were starting to go on his back. Oh, he's not good enough at this level, blah, blah, blah. All nonsense that we've covered on this podcast for two years or more. But when you're not scoring goals, how much does it affect you when the next chance comes along? It's crazy. You don't square it, the effects. Like you, you, you get a bit selfish. <laughs> it is, it's, I think because as a striker, like as a player, you want to do your best to impact the game. But as a striker, you know that you're there to score goals. So when you're not scoring goals, you and if you had a few chances and you're putting them wide or the keeper saving them or whatever it may be every time now you're going up it's like almost like you forget that there's anybody else on the pitch and your your sole focus is to is to score um so it can it it almost can play on your mind like even before the ball's come to you you're already mm. picturing about what you're going to do when you do get the ball so yeah i think as a striker it can be quite frustrating and you can make silly decisions i think and then that relief when you do finally get that goal oh it's i don't even know what the right word to say is but <laughs> no yeah like it is great it's, it's a great feeling it is a it's an amazing feeling especially when you've been plugging away plugging away and then maybe late on in the game you get a goal or whatever like that so yes yeah, it's, it's wicked and actually james he's had to plug his plug He'll plug away far too much in terms of his international career to get his recognition. But he's finally got it. He made his debut against Bulgaria last night. Again, off the bench, which was the most ridiculous decision of all time. You know, these are, there are four, four strikers. I've written a piece on your website today, haven't I? There are four strikers in the Ireland squad that were called up to this international window. Between them, bearing in mind Collins hasn't played. They had 23 caps and they hadn't scored a single goal at the time that they were called up. And still Collins has to wait until to be a substitute in a friendly to get his chance. He scored more goals than all of them put together at club level. <laughs> you know, he's all you hear Mick McCarthy talk about is how he wants his strikers to work hard. Well, none work harder, as we know. 
it's just unbelievable how long he's had to wait but we're delighted for him oh yeah that's amazing that he got on and we all knew that if he did he'd he'd do something because he didn't just score did he started to move to score the goal yeah which is true James James Collins himself and Mick Harford was crediting him on Twitter saying it was a great goal and you know that's just that was a a traditional Mick Harford sort of goal wasn't it lay it out wide and knock it in from six yards but uh, yeah I I, it baffled me why he hadn't started before, particularly in in this international break. I know he'd been in the squad before, and then he's been released. And it's, I just don't know what Mick McCarthy is seeing in the other players. There was a guy on Twitter um, who said to me, "David McGoldrick's a better all-round player than James Collins." And I'm the next <laughs> king of Burma. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's the people that still criticise James Collins, I think, and I don't. It's like, what are you? Are you not watching that? that he, he's in defence. He's heading things off his own line. He's running the channels. Hold he's, on, are you reading my article? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's chasing after f- defenders, and and he's scoring goals. He scored. You know, you mentioned that he didn't score for 10, 11 games at start last season. Was it there or thereabouts? Wasn't it? And he still scored twenty five goals, and he's. He's made. Uh, he's had forty nine goals for Luton in ninety nine appearances. So he could at the weekend mark a hundredth, hundredth appearance with a fiftieth goal. One a goal every other game is phenomenal. Mm. Whatever level. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely is. I mean, let's put Ireland's woes into perspective. They've played five European Championship qualifiers, scored six goals in that time. They played Gibraltar twice. Gibraltar. Scored three goals in them two games. Denmark beat them 6-0 at the weekend. Um, you know, they've also played Georgia in that, scored one goal in that game. They're not free scoring. You'd have thought when you've got a striker like Collins, he's got I don't care if they've got Premier League players. Surely goals have to represent something else. It's about time that he gets much longer international recognition. That, that's the only thing I can think is that um McGoldrick and Someone else. It's, they're both from Sheffield United. Yeah, Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, Robinson. Robinson. Cheers for remembering that one. I can only think it's Premier League bias. But then the fella who started in front of him last night is at Stoke. Yeah, I don't get that one. <laughs> well, you know, not only a Stoke shit, but they're not scoring <laughs> goals either. <laughs> I thought you said no swearing. <laughs> no. I do yeah. a line at Stoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's madness if you just look at the stats of what James Collins has been doing I mean even if by some stretch of the imagination David McGoldrick is a better all-round player than Collins and he's not because well if he was he'd have scored in his 11 caps prior to exactly um, his his stats are woeful goal goal wise um, he has the last time he hit 20 goals in a season was six seasons ago in league one Hopefully, the goal yesterday and the comments from Mick McCarthy saying how good Collins was sort of uh, livens him up a bit to the possibilities of what he can do in that team. Yeah, you'd like to have thought when he scouted him, he'd have seen that only he buggered off 10 minutes from the end, didn't he, of that game that he scouted him at, so maybe that's what he missed. Um, 
should also give quick recognition to, like you mentioned a minute ago, Luke Bolton on his international uh, appearances for England under-20s. Simon Saluka didn't play for Croatia, but he was on the bench on both games. And he may not be here no more, but he's still all in, in all of our hearts. James Justin, who made his England under-21 debut last night, uh, coming on, sorry, two nights ago, coming on as a substitute. Uh, for the last 10 minutes replacing another Luton Academy star Max Ahrens who looked like he picked up a nasty injury in that game hopefully that's not too bad well done to them three now seems like a good time to take a pause because we've got Simon back with us uh, for this month he's given us his latest stats piece and it focuses very much around a certain James Collins that we've just spoken about so over to you Simon Thanks, Kevin. And there's clearly only one place to start with this stats piece, and that's to congratulate James Collins on his debut international appearance and goal for the Republic of Ireland on Tuesday night. He came on to become the 50th Luton Town player to earn a full international appearance and the 14th to score for their country. He's just the second to score on their debut, following Joe Payne, who netted twice in 1937, his only England appearance. Luke Bolton played twice for the England under-20s during the international break and actually provided the assist for the last-minute winner against Switzerland on Monday evening, on the same day that Simon Sluga was part of the Croatian squad. When Sluga gets his next international cap, he'll be the first for a goalkeeper since Jürgen Sommer, who represented the United States of America three times during the 94-95 season, including a 10-minute substitute appearance against England at Wembley Stadium. I believe it's only five previous goalkeepers in total, with Bernard Stretton and Ron Bainham for England and Iowa Hughes and Andy Dibble for Wales, the other four. Going back to Collins and his next Luton appearance, probably against QPR on Saturday, will be his 100th for the Hatters, which is the same as Billy Bingham, who scored 33 goals, whilst Collins is currently on 48. Other notable players, uh, Malcolm McDonald scored 58 in 101 appearances, as did Arthur Wildman in 107 appearances. Mark Steen netted 27 goals in his 107 appearances, whilst Cameron McGeer netted 31 in 106 appearances. Collins is currently the 27th highest scorer in the history of the club, and one more goal will put him joint 26th with Jack Ball. The next targets are then Bruce Rioch on 52, Phil Gray on 53, Bob Morton on 55 and Andre Gray and Tommy Tate on 57. Including McDonald and Warman on 58 goals are also Alan Brown and Danny Hilton. Only six players have scored more than 100 goals for Luton and of course it's Gordon Turner who leads the way with 276. So it's QPR on Saturday, and they're the club that Luton Town have played the most in competitive matches. 132 previously, which is 8 more than Bristol Rovers and 10 more than Watford. Both leads that will be extended this season. Other clubs that Luton have played more than 100 times, Millwall, Brentford, Southampton, Swindon and Plymouth. Luton's current record against Queen's Park Rangers is 145 drawn 36 and lost 51, with 186 goals scored and 193 conceded. OK, that sounds a bit negative. So let's remind ourselves of the Hatters' record against Watford instead, where we've won 55, drawn 30 and lost just 37, with 180 scored and 156 conceded. As for the championship record this season, 
It's won two, drawn one and lost three from the opening six games, with 10 goals scored and 10 conceded. Last season, it was won two, drawn two and lost two, with eight scored and eight conceded. So after six matches, we're only one point worse off than last season, playing at a higher level this year. And we've scored two more goals. We've seen eight new signings make their debut, and we've reached 1,305 players in total who've made a competitive appearance for Luton Town in the 5,492 fixtures. In case you're wondering, it's 2,214 victories, 1,339 draws, 1,939 defeats, with 8,760 goals scored and 7,825 conceded. That's it from me for this stats update. We'll be back in the next podcast. Yeah, hopefully Carlo scores his 50th goal at the weekend, uh, which would be fitting on his 100th appearance for the club. Uh, one more player I want to talk about just before we um, come back to what's to come. There are a few doubts going into that Barnsley game and, and subsequent games about the goalkeeper. There's a lot of talk about mistakes, not good enough, get James Shea in, etc, etc. But Simon Sluger actually done right in the two games that he played. Ironically, it was James Shea that kept the clean sheet, I know. But um, whenever he was called upon in them two games, Sluger was pretty good. He's made one obvious howler on his debut, um, but there were people criticising him for Vassell's goal. And well, he was injured then anyway, even if it was his fault. I'm not so convinced it was. But it was nowhere near his fault. There was three Sheffield players. Wednesday that, people were criticising yeah. him about as well, which wasn't his fault either as a manager alluded to. He's been fantastic, actually. And He's becoming a cult hero now. He is a yeah. cult hero. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Well, the, the, the fan base at the last game cheered him off. He sort of just stood there at the end of the game on his own while everybody had disappeared down the tunnel just to take it in. So I think he appreciates it because... He he's an international player, so he would have been disappointed with that goal he let in against Middlesbrough. But well, the post felt how disappointed he was, wasn't he? When he <laughs> yeah, belted it three times yeah. with his fist. And he's a big bloke; you want to get something smack playing. But uh, you know, people forget that thirty seconds before that, he pulled off a worldie that arguably James Shea doesn't get because he's just not, not as tall. Enough, yeah. So he has been one of the standout players so far um, for Luton. He's. He's kept them in games at times, which has given them then the platform to go on. Even in the Middlesbrough game, I made him my man of the match because in the second half, he kept Luton in it. And then Luton got a a late point. So those kinds of things are going to play a big part in Luton's season. He's he's the real deal. And you just have to appreciate that he had to get used to coming into uh, England, um, getting used to the game. It's it's very frantic championship football, and um, I, I don't watch much Croatian football. Maybe you do, but uh, I would imagine it's more <laughs> technical and slow. Uh, and so, it you know, you, you say that he's a goalkeeper and he doesn't have to worry about those things. But goalkeeping has changed now. They are now the focal point of an attack a lot of the time. When they get the ball, they've got to start it off. So there's a lot more to goalkeeping and just saving all the shots so he he is he is a quality keeper make no doubt about it uh, you're nodding there do you about um, goalkeepers having to be a lot more than just saving saving shots starting starting um, moves and things like that mm, I think just the way football is developing in general um, 
like fullbacks, their roles now they've changed over the years, um, and it's the same obviously with the goalkeepers. They need to they like they like managers like them to be able to use their feet more and be able to pass the ball with their feet and like James says, start attacks off um, from the back and obviously. You know, when you're trying to play a certain way, you are going to make mistakes. Um, but, you know, that's going to happen. But obviously, as a goalkeeper, certain things are going to be highlighted. But it's the same as being a striker. You know, the pressure just builds. And the more the pressure builds, then it's like, you know, you're just just going to be even more nervous. So, you know, he needed to settle into the team. It's not easy coming into a new team and stuff. But like James says, people forget very quickly about the good things that you do. Um because the mistake seems bigger, but there are times when, like you say, he has kept kept looting in games and stuff like that. So, you know, it's always going to be pros and cons and, you know, negatives and positives. But they all balance out in the end, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, blaming the goalkeeper for a lot of the times, every time you sort of ask Graham Jones about it, he says, I'm not really looking at the goalkeeper at all. There's a defender that should have mm-hmm. uh, prevented the shot coming in. There was a defender in the middle that didn't track the man depending on how far up the pitch the, mm-hmm. the move started maybe a winger didn't get back or somebody gave it away and there's always something else the goalie is the last man I mean mm-hmm. really you should be scoring a lot more uh, it's just one person in a massive goal you should mm-hmm. you know what what they they do is overlooked for that for that reason but uh, the the defense probably didn't help Luton to start with as they sort of found their feet in the first few games because they were trying to play this um, football passing out from the back and probably I think if you ask many of them they, they hadn't quite adjusted to the pace and the speed and the pressing of the championship but then when they played up at Barnsley they went longer they had Kazenga, Loa and Cornick out wide and they, they played less of at the back and were a bit more direct it's not to say that they were pumping long balls forward but they switched up the way they were playing and so that wasn't happening so much and I think the whole team has learned very quickly in the space of four or five games how they can be effective in this division and so to blame Sluger for a lot of the early goals conceded was a bit harsh on one man when there's a whole unit there trying to figure out what you can do in that division. He's just spent the last week sat on the bench of the World Cup finalists, so, you know, not exactly going to be a dud if he's doing that, is he? So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're sure we'll see the, the best of him in these matches to come, which is what we're going to finish this episode with. We've got four matches between now and the end of September. QPR away on Saturday, Hull City at home <coughs> the following Saturday. Uh, tasty Cup tie against Leicester City the Tuesday after that and then we go to former Premier League champions Blackburn Rovers to round off the month which games are you looking forward to the most Leicester I guess but which league games it'd be, well, it'd be nice to see James Justin come back and get the applause that he deserves but I think Leicester are taking that competition pretty seriously because mm. they fielded a first team squad against uh, Newcastle and there are many people's tips to be an outside bet for the top six and I've heard some people even say they could sneak in the top four who knows um, but uh, they play some really good football they are quick and if you think about um, Brendan Rodgers Liverpool side when they knew he won the title I think that's what they're sort of aiming for with that team and they've got a lot of pace and uh, good wide men Jamie Vardy's 
bang in form again. So um, it will be a massive test, that one, because I don't think they're going to take it lightly at all. And, you know, who knows? Luton have put out, it's not a second string side, they've put out their squad players and they've come in and performed well, so it'd be a decent test. So, but I'm looking forward to the grounds that I've never been to before. So I've never been to Ewood Park. Um, I've been to QPR plenty of times, actually, but it'd be nice to go there because there used to be a little bit of a rivalry between QPR and Luton. And these things get forgotten when you're knocking around for 10 years in the uh, lower reaches of uh, the Football League and the non-league. But uh, that could be a tasty atmosphere there. Oh, it will be. Yeah, sold out in the away end, despite the extortion of prices. We'll come <laughs> on to that in another podcast, I think. Um, do you, any of them games stand out for you? Yeah, it's got to be Leicester for me. Um, the last Luton game I went to was the West Brom game. Um, so obviously... That was that was a good game. It's good to see players that obviously you see on the TV week in week out um, right in front of you. So obviously that's really good. So yeah, I'm trying to hopefully try and get down to the Leicester game to to have a look there. JJ coming back? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he gets he gets a game. But it'll be good for him. Obviously, like James says, to come back and see the fans. Obviously they love him. Um, and he is a really, really good guy. I don't know if you guys have had him on here, but yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, he's a good, he's a good guy. So it'll be nice. Um, and I'll try and tap him up for some sponsorship as well. <laughs> <laughs> now he's got his paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> just ten percent of his paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Deal, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bex, looking for that list again? Yeah, the Leicester game was definitely. One to watch out for, I think. We've got to give the whole game some love, though. It's the one, yeah, home, one home league game in that one. In that one. Mm. Game that we probably look at winning, bearing in mind that they were struggling last season, but they have got a tasty striker who I keep on reading 20 million target for someone or other. So he, he must need some looking after. Yeah, but Huddersfield had a 11.5 Steve Mounier. Well, they brought 20 million off the bench, didn't they? Yeah, they spent... 20 million? They've spent 70-odd million in the last few seasons. And they were still shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Luton turned away. We had to score for them as well, didn't we? That's true, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, Hull are, I think, uh, one of those teams that you, you, could, um, you could see a win for Luton. because. Uh, say... <laughs> Actually, all three of those games. Do you expect us to win all three? Not as a collective, but either one of the three games that you wouldn't expect us to win. Or um, think we've got a chance of winning. I think there's a chance to go this month without defeat. I might see a I might see a draw at QPR, but I think the other two are winnable. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I agree. Um, in good form at the minute, so long way to continue. Yeah, brilliant, girls. It's been great to have you with us, uh, James. Great to have you too, Deep. But just before we go, plug that fundraising again. So yes, yeah, so we've got www.justgiving.com. Um, just type in Dion Manning, D I O N E, um, and then on Twitter as well at Manning Dion. Um, yeah, just share. Um, donate if you can and just spread the word and try and help us out as much as you can excellent as I said earlier all the very best for this season girls we Thank will you. be coming down as much as we can do and uh, looking forward to being entertained looking forward to seeing a promotion win inside and uh, you can read all about it on James's website 
thelutonian.com one plug per podcast <laughs> <laughs> you're excused on this time thanks for joining us girls thank All the best you for thank you so much and beyond and uh, thanks everyone for listening thank, thank you, you.